Hi, hey there everyone. This is the Outdoor Education for All video blog series. Let's see, this is month five. This month, we're talking to Charles King and Carrie Vanderbaum. I pronounced that correctly there, Carrie? Mm -hmm. All right. Yep. And uh, our, our concept that we're exploring today for about the next 15 minutes is I have two experts here with me that, that talk about uh, adaptive concepts, those with physical, mental, or emotional disabilities uh, out in the out of doors, because we are outdoor education for all, our organization is taking a pivot to ensure that we're inclusive, that, that the benefits of healing trauma through nature can be experienced by anyone and everyone and should be. So today we've got these two awesome rock stars on. Uh, Charles, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, and thanks for the invite, Scott. And I'm, I'm always, Carrie, I'm super always glad to jump in and get to be on your team. Um, I'm, I'm Charlie King. Uh, I am what's called an orientation and mobility specialist um, for uh, people with visual impairment. It's a very, very long title. We just go by O&M. Um, I work for the Butte County Office of Education. Um, so what I do uh, primarily in my job is I work with adaptive living skills and safe movement uh, for uh, students uh, or, or children, we have an early start program. So infant through age 22 who have a variety of visual impairments. Um, there could be other impairments as well, but uh, the, the reason I'm with them is really to deal with the visual impairment um, and then uh, just try to have uh, maximize independence, confidence and safety. Uh, and then once in a while, I'm lucky enough to join in with uh, Carrie. Uh, uh, with Ability for Sports and uh, and support some of those awesome endeavors, but I'll let her talk more about those. And Carrie, woo, Carrie, you're here. <laughs> Carrie rushed to make it here today, everyone. Her time is so valuable. Thank you, Carrie Vanderbaum. Talk to us. Why, why did I choose you? I don't know. Um, well, so about five months ago, I started working for Butte County Public Health in the injury prevention um, and health promotion program. Um, in my previous and somewhat current life, I also um, do disability research and look at things like health promotion and physical activity for people with disabilities. Um, I, yeah, in my current job, so we do active transportation and we look at biking and walking and, um, you know, yeah, being able to get in that great outdoors. Um, Charlie is, um, I think underselling himself, but um, I think we've known each other for, I don't know, maybe like 20 years. 20, 20 years, I think, yeah. yeah. Working with the Ability for Sports program, which is a program for um, people with uh, physical disabilities. And um, we do sports and recreation um, here in Chico and um, actually serve serve really anyone who will come to us. But um, we, yeah, we serve the, the, North, the North State. Cool. Well, I, I want to let that breathe for a second, because between the two of you, the, the amount of impact that you've had on the, I mean, on, on anyone you work with, the communities that you influence, you're kind of legends. Like you said, you've known each other for 20 years. I, I think, Carrie, you mentioned I met you when I was in college at, as a graduate student at Chico State studying for uh, my master's in biomechanics, you reminded me about that. And that, that must have been at least 10 years ago, right? Wow. Yes. That feels good. Right. I've got, oh, don't worry. I've got some grays in the, 
Okay, Carrie remembers me with hair. Like I wasn't as shiny on top. You couldn't, <laughs> couldn't see me from as far away. <laughs> well, the reason that I really wanted to get you two together is because, like I said, your presence has been felt. Charlie, I've read uh, your manifesto. I don't know if that's public yet, but I've read your call for uh, inclusive physical activity, specifically to mountain biking. And, uh, you know, Carrie, you've been working with us through uh, Taylor Guy to do like trail evaluation, you know, to, so that our, our hiking uh, association can be more inclusive. And uh, I, I, you both just have such a wonderful vibe. I want to kick a couple of questions to you today that this, this will land on our uh, podcast and vlog series. I want your personal insights into the concept that being out of doors is not just good for the fully abled body, that it is potentially even more important for those with impairments of any type. So, Carrie, why don't I kick that to you first? Give me your take on why getting out of doors is important, just foundationally, and then potentially even more important. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, at first, I think it's it, it's important too to to define even outdoors, um, because, well, I mean, in our current situation, I'm going to say the c word, but you know, in this COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, you know, I think for some people the outdoors have been narrowed and for others it's really been expanded. So it's a really interesting thing to think about where people don't want to go outside because they're concerned about, you know, being exposed. Um, you know, so that could be limiting them just from going around their neighborhood, but for others they're actually exploring parks and getting out there in places that they never have been. So, you know, outdoors could be walking around your neighborhood or it could be on a trail through the woods with bears and birds. Um, but I think regardless of whether you have a disability or not, we know the importance of it, you know, in a nerdy sense, scientifically, you know, with studies and research um, that show that it's good for your mental health. And um, but then, you know, personally, we know it's good for us when we get out there and we do it. Um, and I think for people with different disabilities or different conditions, a lot of times uh, the outdoors have not been made accessible. And so they, you know, we don't get to be a part of it, you know, so like whether it is going around your neighborhood um, going to the local school to play in a playground or going out on a trail. Um, and so if you're able to make those accessible and inclusive and take, you know, a universal design approach, um, then, then, you know, it allows everyone to have that experience and whether it's improving their mental health or their physical, um, health, um, and social being right when you're, Outdoors, sometimes, you know, whether you're with your pet or a friend or your partner, whatever, I mean, that in and itself is also another aspect that's really important. You know, when I hear you speak, Carrie, I'm struck by, uh, I really appreciate your language, the linguistics that you use. And when, we, when you start talking about, uh, you didn't say inclusive design. What, what was that term again? Universal design. Universal design. Ooh. <laughs> that that's very attractive uh, for someone that could potentially influence trail design. Uh, you know, surfaces. It, surfaces essentially are what I can probably influence the most as we're developing or redeveloping 
um, uh, the ridge up here, up here in Megalia. So uh, well, thank you. Thank you. Well, and I, you know, I think when we, when we think about universal design, you know, and it'll come out probably even more when Charlie gives his perspective and um, experience, but, you know, so because we're on video, you can't see, but I am in a will, I use a wheelchair. Um, I'm a paraplegic. And um, so even when I, you know, we go out and we assess things, I'm not trying, I, I try not to think just from, you know, a person with a physical disabilities perspective, but, you know, someone who has, who is able to walk, but maybe their balance isn't so good. Maybe it's an older adult or whatever. And, you know, and then Charlie with his expertise with people who are blind or have low vision, um, you know, so, you know, universal design um, is such an important concept, um, not just disability related, but age related and, um, uh, you know, people who are from the city versus the country and that sort of thing. I, I don't know if they could hear that there. That that was a mind blowing thought. Like I, I really, when you say universal as, I mean, for some reason it's it even takes my mind to uh, folks with conditions that we don't even know about, right? That I think that's really beautiful. Now, Charles, I read your, I, I call it a manifesto. <laughs> you are a cyclist, at, you know, at heart. Uh, and you, you've made this call for more inclusive trail design and then potentially, you know, cycles that can handle a different type of terrain. Tell me what, why did you choose that? What, why not something else? Well, I, I, Carrie, you're a hard act to follow. So I to do this. No, it's, I just, yeah, I'm just still blown away by some of the stuff you were just talking about. So just coming in, um, I'm, I'm not an accomplished mountain biker. I've loved it. I grew up doing, um, like, you know, riding moto, uh, you know, semi-legally in Southern California, transition to mountain bikes, um, have gotten way more injuries on a mountain bike than I have on a motorcycle. Um, but I, I just spent a lot of time in the upper park, um, it's just, it's, you know, getting away from even, even um, uh, scientific studies is just the absolute love for being outside of, you know, I'm out on the trails and it's just absolutely beautiful out there. Um, and I was just looking, you know, I can throw my mountain bike on a car rack and be on the trails in 10 minutes from where I live. Uh, and then I'm out there and I'm like, fortunately, like with uh, Carrie and, and your husband, Derek, um, Carrie does a lot of some adaptive cycling also, and Derek's taught uh, some adaptive cycling clinics for the pavement-oriented cycle, and that's awesome. We've had some students through BCOE that I get to serve, connect with Ability First, and, and, and get to ride a, a cycle for the first time, and it's so cool. Um, but what I found with mountain biking, which is really my love, one, because I don't have to deal with cars, I'm learning to deal with cars, um, but it's just you're out in nature, but I realized I've never seen anybody in, an, in that, that was visibly using any adaptive technique out on the trails. Uh, I was just thinking, wow, I'm pretty privileged. I can do all this and I can get on. And, you know, I'm even looking at with the universal design, we're talking about like socioeconomic cycling, especially mountain biking can be very expensive as well. Uh, I don't want to go too far down that road because that's a, but it is something I want to think about also with the universal, universal design is a socioeconomic. Um, but then in, in order for somebody to uh, ride something that would be able to handle similar terrain, um, you'd be looking at a cycle that would probably be upwards of $10,000 be specially made, which they do exist. I mean, the engineering is crazy 
what people have come out with for adaptive design, but it still tends to be cottage industry. You know, it's somebody in their garage who has a passion that's just amazing, um, you know, but they have to charge a large amount because what they're putting together is hand built and it takes time and there's technology that's involved. Um, and I was just realizing somebody in our area in Chico, uh, in order to even just get an adaptive mountain bike experience, um, if, if you're not able to use a, a, a upright pedal bike uh, easily, would have to drive to Tahoe or uh, Reno. So you'd be looking at a six hour round trip. So to me, that's acceptable if like we're going skiing because we don't live around a ski area. Everybody has to travel three hours to go skiing around here. You shouldn't have to do the same thing uh, to get on an, an adaptive mountain bike. I'm grateful for the programs and they have some fantastic pro programs through Chief Tahoe and, and, and City of Reno um, that it even exists, but I'm thinking, why don't we have it here? Um, so that was kind of a reason that I sat down and, and wrote what you call a manifesto. That's, it's, yeah, it's a great word for it. And just thinking we have a very uh, established both road and mountain biking community here why do we not have the inclusivity for adaptive riders? So that's my long, long version of a long story there. Okay. Well, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of, if you put the quarter in, you got to let the song play. Right. <laughs> it's a long know, song. It, and that's, that's another thing is yeah. as little amount of time as we have here, yeah. another purpose for this is to promote ability first, yeah. the good work that both of you are doing uh, personally and professionally. You both mentioned science, which I hope that we're pointing towards neurology at some level. Uh, that's how our program is funded, the healing trauma through nature, is that we wrote into the grant that simply removing ourselves from a, um, like a dearth of sensory input and putting ourselves in like this feast of of input is is healing can be triggering is likely healing when facilitated well so carrie i'm going to kick this one to you what is it about the neurology of your person in a chair what do you get from being in a chair on a trail with all of that i would say that the sensory input coming from something other than the sole of your foot touching the ground elucidate i mean i mean to be honest i i assume you know it's similar for me as it is like a non-disabled or a person without a disability sure. right um but but again, it, I think it goes back to the fact that there's so many people with disabilities who have been deprived of that. Um, and so, so getting that opportunity is, that is a mind blowing experience, right? Like the first time that I got to go in the back country on a cross country ski, mm -hmm. I was blown away. I, well, one, I, I really like cardio stuff. Um, I don't like downhill skiing because it's scary <laughs> that I'm you know, running, gonna run into a tree or a person. But the cross country was mind blowing to me because it was so quiet. I was actually far away from people, from cars, from you know, just all the buildings and stuff. Like I really felt like I was in nature. And hiking, being able to hike or kayak gives you that same feeling, right? Where 
you do, you get to disconnect from everything. You get to feel, it just feels different. Like, um, like, God, where were we in it? You know, it's, it's like going into San Francisco and then driving up to Lake Almanor, you know, where you feel like claustrophobic and it's so busy and it is, it's like overstimulating, mm -hmm. but then you go to somewhere really quiet, say like Lake Almanor where, you know, not a Tahoe, but a Lake Almanor where it's a little bit quieter and it's just like, you can just relax and you can, yeah, you can focus and be more mindful and really get in touch, not only with yourself, but like, yeah, with nature, like just watching a bird or whatever, or the fear of a bear coming out and getting you right. It's, it's kind of exhilarating. So what you did is you took my focus from, you know, it's not that much different. I mean, I sense things, you know, in the same, in the same patterns neurologically, right? You're focusing on the importance of the frequency and that gets back to, uh, opportunity opportunity so when we start talking about okay think about anyone that has not experienced sliding down snow the first time it happens everything in your whole body senses smooth whooshiness if i may that's beautiful i, I really appreciate that and you do that very kindly too so tip in the hat um <laughs> charles if I were to ask you the same type of question regarding a, uh, someone with a visual impairment, are you going to answer with, uh, okay, we, as far as neurologically is concerned, yeah, they're going to experience things just a little bit more sensitive with the, the things that are, are still hyperactive. Are you, are you going to focus us on, on opportunity? Talk to me about that with someone with one of, one, of the, one of the visual impairments you work with. Yeah, I mean, the experience, it's interesting because the experience can be different, but probably very similar in terms of, like Carrie was saying, the frequency. Maybe you're experiencing it a little differently, you know, going off not too far science, but about 70% of what we process is visual. Um, so when we limit that, uh, it's not necessarily that our other senses, like, you know, become stronger, but we pay a lot more attention and we have to brain and power to, to uh, process those things because we're not dealing with so much of the visual information. So the sensory uh, modes that we're using to take in information about that environment may be different, but like Kara was saying, the type of environment is different. You know, you have, if, if you have uh, some partial vision, you're still getting views of trees, dirt trails, uh, maybe some bouldering, uh, waterways. Uh, it's, Otherwise, you're also hearing nature, you're smelling nature quite a bit. Um, but a lot of it is, you know, just going from the difference in the sensory uh, experience, uh, I think it's just as therapeutic, maybe a little different, uh, but just as therapeutic. Um, but again, it's, it's the access. Uh, like if I want to, if, if somebody has a visual impairment and they want to go skiing, most likely you need a guide. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing with a visual impairment a lot of times is sometimes you don't necessarily need the specialized adaptive equipment, um, which can be very expensive and hard to come by. Um, but a lot of times there's a different level of support. So like um, with biking, uh, with skiing, 
is you need you need a, a lot of times like a guide who is a trained guide and has expertise. Like, you know, not every good friend of yours is going to be a good guide or, or a safe guide uh, or, or a safe companion while you're out. So um, that's that's where I'm really thinking. Uh, you know, the, the importance it's just as important to be out, um, but the access sometimes is just being able to safely move about that environment and different levels of vision and different levels of other physical abilities. There could be a huge range on that. Um, I was just thinking of like scientific studies and then I, before we started this talk and then I was just thinking as opposed to a scientific study, I just look at if you take the general population, I think of the very large amount of people in the general population who are prioritized money and time towards outdoor recreation and I think just with that, it's anecdotal, but it really tells us about the value because it's a huge industry because there's so much reward to to participating in it. So I'm, I'm yeah. hoping that answered the question. <laughs> it did, and, and you know what? You two, you two have, have shed some light on. There is something inherently, uh, I'd say, just false about the 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 way that I'm even titling this particular portion of the series, because what I, the way I titled it is the benefits of outdoor education for those that require adaptive, you know, uh, it, or inclusive concepts, right? The benefits are the same. It doesn't matter who you are. The benefits are the same. What you two have focused on is, as much as the benefits are the same, regardless of, of the equipment we're working with, you know, physically, neurologically, it's the access that we should be focusing on in that the frequency, as the frequency goes up, we all become more adept at our environments that it, that's brilliant. And I, I also think that the average outdoor education enthusiast or the outdoor average enthusiast would probably go through, through the same thought process that I did, which is, oh, the benefits have to be different. Well, no, the benefits aren't different. It's the getting to the place that you can get the benefits. And, and, and I'm gonna temper that by saying, getting farther off grid is really you know, another way to think about, Carrie, you, you said it very, very concisely, is getting outdoors is right outside your window or it's right outside your, your doorstep framing that beautiful I, question go oh, ahead sorry, sorry and well so the only other thing i would add you know i mean i think that the benefits are potentially the same for everyone right mm -hmm. but that there's different outcomes or different goals that you can have when getting outdoors and so i don't like i think it's really important i think what you were originally getting at scott is that getting outdoors say you know as a person with a disability the, some of the benefits that do come out of it or the outcomes is that maybe I gain more confidence or I gain or learn that I could be more independent in certain ways or, you know, whatever. And so in a way, you know, that that does have to do with my disability. At the same time, you know, if you bring a child from the city who's never been out in the woods, like they could also have that same outcome or that realization. And so I, I, I don't want to lose that bit because I think it is important. That's you can generalize that skill set. Oh, sorry. Yeah. You can, you can generalize, generalize that experience to other areas of 
of your life, no matter what your, your situation. Yeah, absolutely. You can definitely, the confidence, the, the feeling of accomplishment the knowing that you can accomplish it, it definitely gen generalizes to, to multiple areas of life. Yeah. Yeah. You got my wheels just turning right now. I'm thinking about, okay, in order to backwards plan this from an educational perspective, we're all objective, you know, or, or what, what are our outcomes, right? And how do we get someone from where they're at to where we want them to be and then design that experience? So the intentionality of that intentionality, it's probably a word that, that, that to me is where the sweet spot is in, inside this conversation is what are your intentions of, for getting anyone out into any environment? Because then the environment, you know, it's that tango of yeah. why go out to the desert? Well, you go out to the desert because the desert's not the rainforest and why go out, it, it, you know, it, yeah. Okay. And Carrie, you know, you mentioned also, I don't want to go too far out, but the benefits are the same, but the price of admission sometimes for somebody with adaptive needs is a lot higher. The, the risk or risk where I guess more cost benefit, I should say, mm -hmm. sometimes the cost, you know, it's for, for sometimes it's a little easier to get the benefit at a lower cost. If you have adaptive needs, not with every outdoor rec or, or sports activity, but with some of them, just the price of admission is much much higher sometimes completely prohibitive uh and and so that's a that's something that is really important i think to tackle Carrie, what's the name of that tool that connects to the front of uh, a chair like what on the footrest that extends the base of support and has multiple levels what's the name of that tool the freewheel the freewheel yeah i loved that derek had one and it made it made perfect sense once I saw it. And then he told me how much it costs. And I was like, Whoa, Oh mm -hmm. my gosh. It looks like such a simple, like an arm out in a thing. I also agree, Charles, that as expensive as some of those things are in the, in, in the relative benefits, the access that they create may be worth, you know, absolutely. Yes. The access they does make it worth it. But like, as you said, sometimes it needs to be, purchased by an organization or maintained by an organization like Ability for Sports has a, a whole inventory of adaptive gear um, that they make available to a lot of a lot of participants. Um, sometimes they have that thing on an that type of equipment on an individual basis to store, maintain, purchase uh, is is a lot more difficult. So it's really great that organizations are, are, are stepping in to provide that access. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Charles and Carrie. How can viewers support Ability First? Uh, how, how can they uh, help create more access? Drop us a, uh, how does that go? A shameless plug right now. Well, can I, can I back up before we do the shameless plug? Sure. And it's along the same lines. And because I think, yeah, Charlie, I think that's such an excellent and important point. Um, I, you know, and so while our program is is um, specific to people with disabilities, you know, there's other programs like, you know, like you, you know, you work at Paradise Parks and Rec. And I think to increase access, it's more programs like yours. And I know you guys are working on it and making great strides already. Um, but other other programs that aren't aren't for people with disabilities. Um, should also be looking at how to um, improve or uh, 
start doing more inclusive activities by purchasing um, pieces of equipment that would allow for that, um, you know, so that it's not just up to the organization that is for people with disabilities, um, because that's been the problem for way too long is that um, it's, you know, it's programs like ours are the ones that people rely on. Mm. Um, but yeah, I know, Charlie, you want to start the shameless plug? Oh, <laughs> sure. Um, in terms of supporting, um, Carrie, you, you probably know a little bit more about like directly supporting um, with equipment um, or, or support to provide equipment. Um, but no, uh, yeah, Ability for Sports is that when I came up to start working at, at PCOE from Southern California, um, Eric Snedeker, who, who founded Ability First, I think was it probably close to 30 years ago now, um, was my boss. And I told him I would come work here if he let me participate in the water ski program, but Ability First. So uh, fortunately that happened, he let me come up. And uh, so it's, it's just, it's, it's an incredible program. Uh, and there, you know, the, the whole organization is working really hard to get, uh, you know, especially youth in, in the uh, Western states, mainly uh, to, be aware that they can be athletes, not not just you know introductory level, but also get up to like Paralympic level, like elite level athletes if, if they so choose and have that that capability. Um, but like Carrie was saying, you know, it would be great as as with you know Paradise Rec and Parks, as somebody who serves the general population, looking at having it's not less necessarily a separate adaptive component. It's just hey, this is. This is a segment of our population that is just as important as the rest of every other segment. Let's make sure that we have um, we're inclusive and we have things that are that are accessible. And so the fact that with the projects coming up, uh, you know, uh, PR, PRPD is looking at how do we build accessibility into it. I think is just super important. So, you know, the, you have those very specialized organizations that are absolutely awesome, and then having the general organizations like the Chico biking organization say, hey, let's have people who are trained on adaptive equipment and adaptive support as well. So we can support riders once we have that. Yeah, Charlie, we call it integrated. Well, that's it, exactly. <laughs> integrated. Yeah, yeah, so the, yeah. And, and, and yeah. again, the work that uh, Carrie, you and, and your husband Derek have been doing has been is foundational because every time you go out and you check, check off of, yeah, we can do this, I mean, it, it allows us to then market it. And like you said, to the general population, uh, what we're going to talk about next week is we're going to talk about the benefits for able-bodied folks to desire. May I even go with require integration for, for reasons that I don't even know yet. That's the, I'm really excited to find out what uh, a mutual benefit conversation is a perspective shift those type of things so uh, that's about as much time as we have today carrie thanks for making it happen thanks for having me Charlie, always good to you guys. We look forward to seeing you both out on the trails all right thank you guys great seeing you all right before we log off everyone that you can click on the link below to check out abilityfirst.org or you can go ahead and follow a slew of the articles that i'm going to be posting from Charlie and from his group uh, at BCOE. So thanks again for your time, and uh, we'll see you next month. All right. Take care.